Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central, and it starts right now. Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobang. Did you miss me? I missed you guys. A crazy couple of weeks for me getting sick. Don't worry, not COVID related, fortunately. Uh, but, you know, as a result of that, my voice still not 100%, but I'm back in the saddle again and ready to bring you three hours of great, great content. And as always, if you want to join in, if you want to call in, get your thoughts heard, talk some sports, whether it's locally, regionally, nationally, that number to call, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We've got a great show lined up for you guys. Obviously, the big story uh, this week is state championships here in South Carolina. For football, so we'll have North Merle Beach head coach Matt Real on at 8:30. We'll have Lou Bejek from the state coming on at nine. 
uh, we'll have some fun talking to them, talk about all the different matchups uh, throughout the that are going on both today and tomorrow. One less uh, matchup to speak of in terms of this week, because the Marion Abbeville two-way matchup will not be played later this afternoon uh, or this evening. Uh, was supposed to be played at five o'clock, but due to some COVID issues with Marion, the game has been pushed back to next week. Uh, actually, I think it may be the week after next, if I remember correctly. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. We'll talk about that more later on. But first, for the first hour or so, maybe a little under an hour, we're going to talk some national news. And then uh, from 8 until 8.30, we'll get you prepared for the state championship games, preview all of those games, then talk to Matt Real and Lou, and wrap things up. So, And once again, like I mentioned, if you want to call in, if you want to get your thoughts on, on everything that's been going on, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll start off with some NBA news real quick. Um, a couple of things that uh, happened over the past couple of weeks uh, and a couple of things that happened this past week. Uh, first, Clay Thompson injuring his Achilles, tearing his Achilles tendon, season-ending injury. Uh, no idea how exactly it happened, but another big blow for the second year in a row for the Warriors. Obviously, Steph Curry being out for the entire season last year. Uh, the Warriors just can't seem to catch a break, and their their work gets even harder now because one of the news one of the news notes that came out this week is that Anthony Davis has agreed to a five year. million contract extension with the Lakers. So now that conference, I mean, it doesn't really get harder. It stays the same, but now Davis is locked down. He's staying in LA for a long period of time. And that's just going to make the Lakers even more of a perennial contender. Uh, LeBron also agreed to a contract extension. So the Lakers are set for the next couple of years at least, as long as those two continue playing uh, the way they have been. Oklahoma State traded Chris Paul to the Phoenix Suns for Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Ty Jerome, Jalen Locke, or Jalen Leck, and some draft picks. So not sure how much Chris Paul has in the tank. Not sure how much longer he has uh on his career but it's definitely something uh that's going to keep in that's going to be interesting to see how that impacts both Phoenix and Oklahoma City because Oklahoma City gets a couple of pretty good uh you know not so much I won't say there are any stars in that group but there are a couple of good role players in that group uh that should help the Thunder, maybe not necessarily get back to where they were, but it should help them uh, moving forward. But the big news this week was Russell Westbrook getting traded to Washington for John Wall and a first-round draft pick. Uh, 
not completely sure how this helps either team, really, with both being very similar players, similar age, similar everything. Uh, So it's kind of a, you know, it's not really a one team is getting a player that far exceeds the other or anything like that. Uh, The big thing that will impact it, the the thing that will really impact this more than the players will be that first round draft pick that Houston gets. Because if Houston can find someone that can help that team, and primarily, at least in my opinion, the thing that the Rockets really need, especially with them trading one point guard for another, is they need a big man. That's been the big thing that has really hurt them, especially in the playoffs. They've they they've relied so much on the small ball. They've relied so much on the three pointers in the regular season. And in, in the regular season and when you're hot, that's not a problem. You can live off of the threes if you're making them, especially in the regular season. But in the playoffs, you can very as, you can just as quickly die by the three if you're not on in any in any given game. So that's something that, you know and people have been talking about it for a few years now, that the Rockets need a an inside presence. And this is the opportunity that they have after a couple of years of trying this small ball and it working for a bit, but not really helping them get over that hump into the latter parts of the, of the playoffs. And so now there, there's this opportunity right in front of them to potentially pick up. I mean, there aren't any, you know, standout big men in the NBA draft this year. No one that really, sticks out to you. You know, you've got Obi Topin, but, you know, he's not, you know, he, well, he's going to go well before they, they have the opportunity to pick him anyway. But now you have the opportunity to at least look and see, okay, maybe where's this under, where's an under the radar big man that we can get that will help out this team moving forward. So those are some NBA news uh, notes that happened this week. NFL news, the the big news, first that happened a couple of weeks ago, uh, is that Joe Burrow suffered a torn ACL and MCL. So he's out for the remainder of the season, definitely. But now the question is, what's his recovery timeline like? He's young. He's going to recover from this. Uh, but it's definitely a blow to the Bengals and to Burrow, who was looking like he could be a Rookie of the Year candidate this season. Uh, And, you know, on top of that, now this week's matchup, which is the Bengals facing off against the Dolphins, that could have been a very interesting matchup between Burrow and Tua. But now we won't get to see it, at least this year. I'm sure we'll see it eventually but we just won't see it this year. 
uh, the big news that happened starting last week and phasing into this week was COVID issues galore for the NFL. First, the Ravens and Steelers originally supposed to be played on Thanksgiving. That was pushed back to Sunday, then to Monday, then to Tuesday, and then finally was played yesterday after, or excuse me, Wednesday afternoon. And it's just, it's not a good sign. It's not a good omen for the NFL that they've had to do that much legwork just to get a game in. And on top of that, you also had the whole Broncos fiasco where they were forced to play with a practice squad wide receiver as their quarterback to due to their entire quarterback squad being shut down due to COVID. You know, surprise, surprise, they got destroyed by the Saints as a result. And, you know, I understand this is what we live with now, but it's, it's one thing, and we'll talk about it more when it comes to Abby Villa Marion, which I'm I'm very glad that they're playing it. And we'll talk about it more on the college front in just a little bit. Uh because there was a big game that was supposed to happen this weekend that didn't happen or that isn't happening as a result. And fortunately for a lot of different groups, they were able to come up with a remedy to the situation. The fact that they had to push that game back so far and the Broncos had to play very, very shorthanded is, you know, it's, it's what you get in the COVID ball era, you know, but, and, but before I move on, let me just, I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but Jerry Jones comparing having to play with a third string quarterback because of because of regular injuries. You know, Dak Prescott went down with a regular leg injury. Andy Dalton went down with concussion issues. Those aren't things that in a normal year you wouldn't have to deal with. And on top of that, you were still playing with a quarterback who was actually a quarterback, who played quarterback in college, that you drafted as a quarterback. So the fact that he compared the Broncos' situation to what the Cowboys have have had to deal with this season at the quarterback position is just completely and utterly asinine. I mean, it's not surprising to me that Jerry Jones would say something that completely tone deaf, but it's it's still kind of funny. It was still funny for me to see it and say, what are you talking about? What, What are you even talking about there? So hopefully the NFL can get this under control 
but unfortunately what what really hurts what really hurts the league's image right now is the fact that at least not that I've seen the Ravens weren't even punished for the fiasco they weren't even punished for unless the the investigation came back and there was no one at fault there was no violation of the protocols nothing like that but I highly doubt that that's possible with just the pure the sheer amount of cases that have befallen the Ravens I just don't buy that it, there's no way that it comes out of the blue like that. So it's it's a big disappointment that they haven't been punished at all because that hurts the image of what the league claims they're trying to do. You know, we've talked about it when it comes to injuries in the past, but the NFL can say all they want that, oh, we're about safety, we're about protecting the players, et cetera, et cetera. But when push comes to shove, if money is dangled in front of them, they're going to take the money and, and you know, to hell with the player safety. And that's what's going to happen in the future. We already know that we're going to get an 18-game season at some point or a 17-game season at some point. Uh, You know, it's just a matter of time. We've already seen an expansion on the playoffs. So, you know, that whole concept is, it's just flawed. It's just flawed. Uh, Talking about this week, uh, the biggest game on the docket this week and kind of surprisingly, is Browns versus Titans, who are two teams that are playing very well, but two th- two teams that personally, and we've seen it with both teams this season, despite what their record looks like, both of these teams are pretenders. Both of these teams are not, yes, they may be playoff caliber teams, then again, we're going to see an under 500 team be a quote-unquote playoff caliber team because of the dumpster fire that is the NFC East. But beyond that, I think these two teams are, are definitely pretenders. They're teams that think that they're, you know, that they're gonna, that they're good. And they are good teams, but they're not, yeah, you know, they're not AFC champion caliber teams. So that game should be an interesting one. I think it'll really show which team is the team to look at and which team is the team to consider maybe a little bit higher than pretender. The other game to keep an eye on this uh this week is going to be Rams against Cardinals. Uh, This is going to be a big game to show which team is legit. Uh, Again, 
Whereas the Browns versus Titans, I think both teams are pretenders regardless. The Rams Cardinals game is going to be a team is going to be a matchup to determine who's the real contender and who's the pretender between these two teams. And while I've been very impressed with how Kyler Murray has played, with how the Cardinals have played, and obviously with DeAndre Hopkins, this team is not the same team as they have been. Although they, you know, that is the only real piece that they've brought in this year. But life is Gerald still kicking, you know, who knows how that's happening. He's just, you know, he's been a man that doesn't seem to have an age. Uh, He's the ageless wonder in the NFL. But in spite of all that, think that the Rams are are going to win this game. And I still think the Rams are going to be able to do something in the playoffs this season. But we'll see. We'll we'll see this week. Uh, But it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on uh, moving you know, moving forward into uh, into the right, you know, moving forward into this week. That's going to be a good game to watch. Uh, I definitely think that game is going to be the better of the two between that and the Browns and Titans. So that's just my thoughts on, on the matter. Uh, but you know that that's why we play the game why 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 the games are played uh and it it's going to be something that's going to be an interesting little thing to see uh how both of these teams uh play in a pretty big you know in a pretty big game because both of these teams have had have had their moments have showed moments of brilliance, but have also had issues and have also uh, shown that, you know, they're not, they may not be the best team in the world. Uh, You know, and, and the NFC East, you know, or NFC West rather, (laughs) let's not talk about the NFC East, but the NFC West has been, one of the best, if not the best, uh, probably, I I don't think it's been one of the, it's been the best division in the NFL this season. And even a team that has lost so many pieces, like the San Francisco 49ers, they're still playing good football. And they're still technically in the hunt right now. So the fact that these teams are playing as good as they are is a very good sign. And, you know, this is going to be a good game. This is going to be a very good game to watch. Uh, And, yeah, there's not really much more I can say about, about that one. We'll take a quick break and then come right back. We'll have uh, some college football talk 
And then at the top of the hour, we'll we'll get you ready for the state championship games in the high school here in South Carolina, the high school state championship games in football. So keep it right, keep it locked right here to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. We'll be right back. Welcome back as we have a caller on the line, so we'll talk to him before we get to some college football or college football talk. And as always, if you want to call in and get your thoughts on everything going on in the sports world, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. And we got Richie on the line. Richie, how's it going this morning? Hey guys, what's up? Good morning. Glad to have you back, brother. I know. Uh, happy belated Thanksgiving to you, because I know you. Yep. Uh, you know, we 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 uh, we got you off last week, week before you weren't up to party. It's still great, but here we are, starting December and in, in the right motion. And of course, man, I mean, how great is it to be you right now? You're up there in North Myrtle Beach area, Myrtle Beach, of course, uh, in between that coastal North Myrtle Beach 
daydream, if you will, because they've got, what, college game day tomorrow yes. morning. Uh, they also, tomorrow night, will be playing North Myrtle Beach, goes up the road to see a very good team out of Daniel. Uh, it should be, should be, could be, and I think it's going to be uh, a, a pretty big game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely going to be a big game. I would have to say that that game probably will be the most competitive out of all of the state title games. Yeah. Well, I said, Daniel, you know, I should have said AC Floor, guys. I yeah, apologize. You know, right now, just getting moving this morning, as you know, Brandon, you know, I, yeah. I took the, I, I'm doing what you have been doing for the, so many years and covering college, and high school basketball and, uh, you know, three or four nights a week now. So, you know, we're stretching yeah. our things out well, a little bit here on our network with uh, covering high school basketball this year. Uh, and, and for us, you know, you know, everybody says COVID is, you know, it's bringing a lot of hard times. There's no doubt about it. Matter of fact, I've got a mm-hmm. close friend of mine who her dad's struggling realistically with his life. He went into the hospital with COVID, caught pneumonia, and, and it has attacked mm-hmm. his immune system. And unfortunately, in a week's time, now this is a guy that used to hold the chains down there on the sidelines over at Somerville. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the most healthiest guys I know. This guy was just always in, in a great spirit multiple ways. And so he went in with COVID, got pneumonia, and, and now here he is. And, and, and to be honest with you, if he makes it out of today, it would be a blessing to some. But for me, if he's in pain, I, you know, I, I don't like to see people in pain. But for those who don't believe that COVID's a real thing, guys, i got to tell mm-hmm. you something. It's it's legit, and uh, oh yeah, you know when we were on the radio, Brandon, on Wednesday night, and my phone went off, and somebody from the inside said, "Hey, Marion has a trace of COVID." We asked the question to David Shelton with the the post and carrier down here in Charleston. Mm-hmm. What happens if? Well, for all you guys that want to think it's conspiracy that somebody's you know looking for more time or they don't want to play, let me tell you a secret. It's a lot bigger than that. It's a lot bigger mm-hmm. than that. First of all, the Abbeville fans, it's just high school football. There's nobody scared to play Abbeville in football. This is, that's preposterous. Number two, you know, imagine if you're the mother of this, this young man who I know his name, I've got his position. I'm not going to share all that today, but, you know, for me, you know, what happens if this young man takes a turn for the worse? Boy, I tell you what, the post that you're seeing out there with some of the things that would make those individuals feel, you know, some kind of way. But, you know, when this whole season was set up, it was already kind of slated that there was going to be seven games at the most. Region games were going to be the biggest. And this is how it was going to go. And then once they set up the playoffs, they said, hey, if you catch, you know, a situation like COVID during the playoffs, you would have to forfeit. However, mm-hmm. if you catch it during the championship game, there was room in there for them to yeah. postpone it a week and and then allow it to happen because once you get that far, you know, you got to play that state championship game. And the reason that they're able to extend that, Brandon, is because there's not a game behind it. So, exactly. you know, I know there's a lot of questions about Oceanside and then Skeezer, which is not part of the public schools, uh, First Baptist. Who, who both those teams had to forfeit, and the only reason I had to forfeit is because there wasn't games waiting behind them, and that would have exactly. delayed the whole playoff thing. It would have made it a mess. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, that's the reason why they were able to do it for the state championship game is for that very reason, because you don't have to worry about then having other teams sit and wait 
you only have to worry about one team sitting and waiting, and obviously they right. want to play the state championship as well. So, you know, they're okay with having that extra week to prepare. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, there's, there is always going to be, you know, and I think we're very lucky that this is the only conversation that we're having about this situation right now. I mean, because mm-hmm. if you think back when we were doing our shows back in, in, in let's go as far as July and, and June and April and, yep. and Southern Sports Central shut down for a lot of coverage and went directly to what we called um, virtual uh, campus tours where we went to different high schools around the state and, and talked to the spring sport athletes and talked to their coaches and got to meet their principals. And we brought all that into one. And, and while we're looking at basketball, and if you're down here in the low country and you're listening, you know, Dorchester County has shut down their gyms, right? So the only people that can get in are the basketball players, the referees, and those working the game. And that could be broadcasters. That's not media, okay? They're not even letting the media in. They're only letting those who are broadcasting the games and covering it within the confines of the school. And, again, you only worry about what you can control. So the theory is um, – uh, the theory is if if by chance if by chance you 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 know you have a uh, let's say a you know a, a situation well you can maintain that by not allowing the crowd in there so that's just kind of one of the ways that that I look at it and, and say okay well yes we want fans in the stands at all of our games but I would rather watch it via social media via you know, YouTube or, or any other channel than not watch it at all. And, and I think that's the, the conversation that we need to have. So there's there's so many things that COVID has, has definitely woken us up to, but at least I can say we've, we've come through this thing at this point. We've got a lot of positive to be proud of as far as our state is concerned. And, again, for the South Carolina High School League and, and the commissioner, you know, uh, Jerome Singleton, you know, I don't agree with everything that he's done, but I don't agree with a lot of things that he's yeah. do at times, Brandon. So for me, the way that I look at it is that these guys have done a pretty good job considering all they've been thrown at them. You know, we're, we're, we are talking high school basketball. We are talking wrestling, yep. which that's the one thing I kind of want to go back and revisit here in a minute with you because I don't think that – I get they deserve a shot at it, but, boy – that's that's like if COVID was a sport, that would be that would be yeah. a sport. I mean, that's, that's wild. But covering the games down at Fort Dorchester, we're put it on TV. We're going to do commentary. Had COVID be here, that doesn't happen. So these kids are getting mm-hmm. a chance, and we're doing it all the way from the B team to the JV to the varsities, boys and girls. They're getting play-by-play guys, and they're getting in-house looks at the home games only because you're not allowing the fans in, and you're not allowing certain yeah. people in. But imagine. How cool that would be for somebody in seventh and eighth grade, or or if you go to ninth and tenth and eleventh and twelfth, that you're getting play-by-play TV action, not just radio, but TV. And yeah. so, yeah, there is a lot of positive. You know, we've grown a lot during COVID because we've been allowed to get into the families and into the schools and into the the programs in the schools this year. Bringing you on was a part of COVID, to yeah. be honest with you. You know, yeah. the conversation because that's partnered with the the youth football program, and you were looking for something to do. I mean, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you are well, adding to the flavor, right? And, and that's happening uh, for us up at North Merrill Beach as well is that, and, I mean, we we had the conversations, uh, you know, after last season, well, towards the tail end of last season, uh, before COVID really hit as well. But – 
COVID definitely sped up the process, I think, where we're going to get cameras into the arena for basketball now. Uh, so that's coming up. You know, we're still going to do audio only for the away games. But we're, you know, we're going to do the video as well for for the home games like you guys are. So that's something that, you know, like you mentioned, COVID has forced people to, you know, do things a little different and do some outside the box things. But like you mentioned, I I do applaud uh, Jerome Singleton and the SCHSL and figuring out, OK, how can we do this and how can we do this safely? And I think the one thing that really helped and and this really gave me confidence when when everyone was talking about what should we do in, in July and August was the fact that Singleton had COVID. Uh I think his sister had it. Um someone from his family I think died from it. So he had a real firsthand experience with it, so he knew to take it seriously. Right. And you're right. And, and the other thing that he did, Brandon, was and at one time, you know, again, we can all scrutinize everybody and everything because people do that with us. People do that. With, yeah. We do that with others. And, and for me, I think he did the right thing by by letting the officials within the 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 actual districts that they're in because what you're seeing in Charleston isn't the same that you're seeing in Columbia or Myrtle Beach or Greenville or any of the other smaller pockets if you want to dive into that actually low country area because there's actually multiple mm-hmm. regions and districts within that just low country the Grand Strand it's the same way where you are so so mm-hmm. allow the, the 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 powers that be within that community to say, look, here's how we're going to handle it. For example, you can go to Cane Bay, which is in Berkeley County, and watch basketball live if you have a ticket and they haven't maxed out their numbers. Not the case at Dorchester County. But mm-hmm. I promise you this, there will be a lot less chance of, of catching a situation. That's why I don't like to use that word. Um, in, in, in Dorchester County, because they're not allowing the opportunity to walk through those doors, right? So again, yeah. Only worry about the things you can control. They can't control COVID as far as a whole, but they can control the numbers of bodies that come in that could have a situation of a trace of COVID that could lead to a shutdown. Because basketball and and wrestling are in a confined area. This isn't like baseball or the spring sports that are all outside. Most, I think all of them are all outside. Or like you see football or you've seen some of those those fall sports. So this is a very inside wall shutting around you type situation that, that if this thing gets a little crazy, and this is where I'm worried about wrestling going to, I don't like to use the word ruin it for everybody in the winter, but it's definitely, it, it's only going to take a couple of different, different situations where they say, look, that's probably not going to work this year. So yeah. I'm going to tell the wrestlers, if you're listening, you better wrestle your butt off. You better enjoy yeah. every second, every pin. Even if you get pinned, be glad that you had a chance to get pinned because here's mm-hmm. the thing. I don't see it. If they have a full season, man, I'm going to go buy about 20 lottery tickets that day after <laughs> because that was one of the luckiest sports that we're talking about in high school sports. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the only sport that we've seen, the only sport that has been indoors in the fall has been volleyball. And right. 
there have been a couple of teams that have had to postpone games and whatnot. And, you know, we saw it in football too. So, you know, it's not just volleyball, but, you know, they're, like you mentioned, the indoor sports are going to be trickier. And what's going to make it even trickier is the fact that, you know, winter is the, the toughest season for flu season and all of that. And as we've seen for football and for the fall sports, the districts are being very, very cautious when it comes to things. And even if you have symptoms and you're getting tested, they're going to postpone games just to be on the safe side. And what's even crazier and this is the one thing that I'm a little worried about when it comes to basketball and especially for wrestling, like you mentioned, you know, there's already been a County that's shut down athletics right now. And it's one close by you. What's that? Orangeburg. That's exactly right. Yeah. They've actually shut down their win. Is that, and I thought I read that yesterday. Is that right? The Orangeburg area, they decided to, um, to shut down their winter sports overall. Is that yeah. kind of is that that is that what I read yesterday? I was I was in a yeah, bunch of meetings yesterday because we're yeah. setting up some stuff going into the winter now that we're going to be covering some more basketball than normal. Yeah, I, yeah, I actually I I made sure to look at it this morning and I read the the article and everything. And yeah, they've shut down all athletics until further notice. They didn't say exactly when they're going to reevaluate or anything like that. But as of right now, the all athletics in Orangeburg County have been, you know, shut down. And and yeah, on top okay. of that on top of that, Adesso individual also canceled all athletics until further notice. And, and you got to applaud these guys because, look, I get it. I understand that it, it, it is it is per per area, per school, per per region. Because again, when, when Marion caught you know the news, or or those around Marion caught the news about the young man who who started showing symptoms on Saturday, which makes you nervous for the kids that played them on Friday, right? I mean, that was Andrews just you know hours before, you know, twelve mm-hmm. hours before when this young man. You know, and, and yeah, you feel bad for this kid. You know, I felt bad for Oceanside and First Baptist who were on on these remarkable, just incredible seasons. You know, to to not even have a chance to compete after practicing and playing and all of that. But here's the thing: it's no different than 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 me. I couldn't even go watch and, and be around my father, who's up there by you, by the way, in Surfside, mm-hmm. uh, because he has multiple health issues. Now mm-hmm. I either consume my father on Thanksgiving and see him in ICU in Christmas, or I can, uh, or, or go see him, I guess, in Thanksgiving, you know, and then that would mean that to go see him yeah. in an ICU thing. But for me, I would rather be safe than sorry. You know, I, I even, even with the gyms being closed in, in, in the Dorchester County area, they don't, they, they didn't say it was a season deal. It was a, we're going to kind of play this by ear situation. Like we'll, we'll continue to keep an eye on it. If by January, the numbers go down, then we'll go from there. But, you know, here's the thing. At least they're playing. And, and again, that's the thing. When I saw that yesterday break news about Orangeburg, I, I just thought to myself, okay, this is probably going to start becoming a more of a trend. And, yeah. and this is why I wonder, even in North Carolina, when they're supposed to start their, their, win, their, their football season in February, 
You know, I, I wonder if that even happens because there's a lot of colleges who said that we were going to do this in the spring, and now they're saying they're not even going to do it at all. They're just going to yeah. get some training in, get some work in. That way the kids that are going to go in the draft aren't going to be doubling it up because if you think about it, some of these schools are going to be playing – basically it, it's going to feel like three seasons in one year yeah. because of the way the calendar works. So it's, it, it's a lot more to it than just we need to play the game or, or, you know, this is just not as big as you think it is. And like you said, with, with the commissioner, you know, this hit him at home, like literally in multiple ways, not only with himself but those around him. So, you know, he understands the seriousness of it. And, and again, just yesterday when I got the message about this gentleman that was part of a chain crew on the sidelines of a high school that's, you know, that I, that I was affiliated with for 14 years or so, you know, with him fighting for his life, and it looks like he's going to probably be saying goodbye to his loved ones, you know, some way, somehow in the next 24 hours. You know, it, it, it's a sad situation, and it's a lot bigger mm-hmm. than just winning a state championship on, on, on a Saturday or a Friday or winning a match on any day. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. And, you know, that's why, you know, and, and I'm – that's why I've been happily surprised. At- well, for me, you, you know, I, I sit here and, um, you know, I, I try to put everything in perspective. And, and the one thing that, that COVID has done for me, and I don't want to, you know, I know that there's some high school football that we could cover real quick before I get out of here at 8 o'clock, but, you know, uh, is that I'm grateful for what I have. And I think Thanksgiving was probably one of those deals where people came into the house, as they did mine. When I had my kids, you know, on Thanksgiving, I, I remember looking at them saying, look, I need you to let us know during the prayer. We're going to go around, say what you're thankful for, but let's keep it down to five. Because there's really, honestly, an endless amount of thankfulness that you should have as anybody anywhere in the world, not just here in the United States or South Carolina or on the coastline or wherever you are. It, there's just so much to be thankful for so that you should probably mm-hmm. – you know, make sure that you slow down and, and think about this. You know, oh, yeah. and so coming out of 2020, I feel like it was the year of um, of definitely vision, right? I mean, 2020 is the sign. It, vision is, is, is what we think about mm-hmm. when we hear 2020, and, and it's the vision. You know, we, we understand. We appreciate sports. My God, we know what it's like not to have sports. You know, when yeah. the first time that they'll open up a music venue for those music guys and girls out there, man, they're going to have an abundance of excitement coming out of them because they're going to be back mm-hmm. into a concert hall. And, and, and those are the things that, that I think that we, before I know, I'll say, I, I know we need to get into some high school stuff before I get out of here at 8 o'clock, but um, just appreciate what you got in front of you guys. Yeah. I, I can't tell you enough how much I'm excited to have Brandon and, and Miss V and the entire, you know, uh, high school blitz and, and the Sports Unlimited team and then the West Foundation Sports Group with Everett Sands, you know, I've really benefited out of growing a, a group and a family together that covers it all the way from Brandon's in Myrtle Beach and Everett sitting in Columbia. I'm down in Charleston. The South Carolina High School Blitz team's up in Greenville. So if you just heard, we covered all the, the area of the South Carolina. And, and so for me, you know, we're able to get a lot deeper and a lot more personable than, than, than we were a year ago today. Absolutely. And, you know, like you said, there have been some things, and you know, while you hate to see it, you know, unfortunately, adversity oftentimes does, you know, breed 
innovation. And that's what we've seen, you know, over the last year, you know, a little less than a year, but just about, but, you know, like I was saying, you know, it's, it's been, you know, it's been good to, to see sports, you know, be able to be played because, you know, there were so many times that you weren't sure. And like you said, unfortunately though, and, and I'm wondering how the fact that, you know, we got lucky. And, and I mentioned this during the first game on, uh, on Tuesday when I was calling it and, and when I was talking to the coaches, you know, we got lucky here in South Carolina when it came to basketball because there were a, a few states that got, you know, they were in the midst of their championships or, you know, they were in the midst of their playoffs when everything hit the fan back in March. So right. at least here, we got through basketball completely unscathed. So I wonder if that's going to play any impact on, you know, we talked about it with, you know, with the weather and with everything that's going on. We've already seen a couple of areas shut things down. I wonder if the fact that, None of these players, you know, obviously it would suck for the seniors and everything, of course. But the fact that basketball and the winter sports didn't get affected at all last year, I wonder if that will play an impact on whether or not anything happens with the season moving forward. Uh, But that's just something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. Uh, but like you mentioned, you, you're going to get out of here, Eddie. So let's talk a little bit of uh, football championship real quick before we let before you get off. Uh, Dutch Fork, T.L. Hanna tonight. Uh, Dutch Fork looking for the five P. Is anyone is T.L. Hanna able to stop Dutch Fork, or are we talking five P here? Yeah, man, I tell you, they they. I picked them on, on Wednesday. I, I picked Dutch Fork, by the way, to win the game on Wednesday on our show. And then Eugene went on and decided to pick T.L. Hannah. But after the show, almost right after the show, comes up a video that T.L. Hannah made in the locker room after they won their upper state championship game. And, guys, I'm going to tell you something. I have been a part of an individual that decided to put out a video or something to basically poke the bear at Dutch Fork and then watch them come into the lower state and, and beat a team that I was part of, the, the media part of it, pretty bad uh, a couple years ago. You don't poke the bear. You don't drag. No. You, you just don't do it. And, and when they did that, I thought, yep, you did the one thing, the one thing that you didn't need to do but you're going to do. And here is Tom Knox looking for state championship win number five in a row, which now he would he would dominate and own North Carolina and South Carolina. Uh, you know, it's hard to go against him. I would never pick against him, to be quite honest with you. I mean, he's proven <laughs> me, uh, you yeah. know, that at this point in our life. But, no, I think it's the, I think it's going to be a good game early. But, but what you've seen and you saw it firsthand uh, with Carolina Forest, uh, you know, these guys, they, they kind of chip away at you, chip away at you, mm-hmm. and then uh, it – Something different, man. These guys evidently have a different you know, weight and conditioning program because they get better as the game gets longer. And they're going to score 60. And as long as yeah. their defense doesn't give up 50, you know, I think this is the one year the defense is probably the weakest they've had 
in five years. Now, saying that, they've won four state championships, so I'm not being disrespectful. But I think they're giving up more points. But I think this year, offensively, they're scoring more points. So it's a high score of probably about 55. I think Dale Hannah gets maybe 32, maybe 35 in. Well, like like I saw with Carolina Forest, the Panthers scored the most points that anyone has scored on the on Dutch Fork for a long time. Yet Dutch Fork, that offense is just so prolific that they just kept up and they just ran up the score and and that's how they won. So the only you know and and look at all the weapons that that offense has. You just. You you know you try to stop one and and there's someone right behind him ready to take take over right. the reins. So yeah, you know, that's what's going to be the key is can T.L. Hanna do anything to stop the offense of Dutch Fort? Yeah, I, I just don't see it. I think the defense is going to definitely step up. I mean, again, good teams do. You know, this is their moment to shine, and one of the best. You know, again, you heard him just yesterday when he was talking to a guy that's going to be joining you here in, in just a few at 9 o'clock with Lou Vesciak out of the state. He said that, look, we don't have to wonder if our guys are going to show up to practice. We don't wonder if they're going to show up in summer. That's just what they do. Like, they show up mm-hmm. to work out. They show up to run. They, they show up to get better today so that they can win a championship tomorrow. His speeches and his, his, his way of, of communicating to not only us in the media – but I was there in the locker room with him last year, and I will echo this one more time. It was one of the most incredible moments. I almost felt like I was listening to some of the great ones in, in the history of uh, speeches. And, uh, again, good coaches, they all have this in common. They have a way of connecting to those who listen to them. And he said to them right before they went back out there and played dormant, and he said, this, at this moment, this is the most important thing in your life. All right, now, when we get done with this game, we'll reposition everything. But at this moment, at this time, this is it. Winning a state championship is, is it. This is the most important thing. And so the way he said it, really, I mean, I felt like I was ready to go take a snap or two and throw the ball around a little bit. But he did exactly what they needed to do. Yeah, they took them to throw that fade pass to, to course Jalen Hyde there in the corner. But, you know, that's what good teams do. They, they, they show up when they need to show up and show out when they do. And so, you know, for me, I just – it's hard to go against Dutch Fort, you know, until you beat them. You know, you can't not pick them, you know, as far as that goes. And I think now the other question is, he wins five. Where does he go? Does he head to, to Berkeley where that coach just stepped down and retired? That's the top ten and top maybe eight job mm-hmm. in the state of South Carolina in high school football. He has a house in Pauly's Island, right? I think that's probably more of the story than it is, are they going to win another one? I think you check that box. You just ask now, where should he go after this? There's yeah. – Nothing more he can do because he'll hold a, a special record in the state after he wins on uh, on Friday night. Well, that's th- this is something that I'm going to ask Lou when he's on. But let me get your thoughts on this. You know, whether or not he he does win the the title this year, but especially if he does, is Tom Knotts the best coach in South Carolina high school football history? Wow, you know that's a tough one because you got to realize I spent a lot of time at Somerville and uh, Coach McKissick was there, uh, and and he holds that record with most wins in the country. I, I think he's in the argument. I think present day, yes. I think uh, in the last so many years, yes. I, I don't know if I would put him above Coach John McKissick. I mean, and now I think John McKissick's the best high school coach in the history of high school football. I mean, again, he mm-hmm. holds the record, so he must be pretty good at it. So. 
I, I think he's definitely his uh, – he's up there. You know, he's definitely that one-two punch. Um, you know, I'm curious, in, in Coach McKissick's prime, you know, how, how good would that game have been? You know, you, we, we play those video games, right, where they've got, you know, the, the, the team of the Redskins in the 80s and the Cowboys in the 90s, and you, you pick your team in your year. But I wonder what it would have been like for the heydays of Coach McKissick, and you see the current heyday right now, of Tom Knotts, what would those games, what would those teams yeah. in the late 70s and 80s of Somerville look like a team now that you're seeing out of Dutch Fort? Yeah, that would be a very interesting battle. And it'll be interesting, especially, you know, we talk about whether, you know, whether he stays at Dutch Fork or he goes somewhere else. If he stays in the state of South Carolina, you know, Tom Knotts coaching a few more years, if he could potentially break that record. Um, and I don't know how many wins. He's going to need over 600 of them to, to get there. Yeah. I don't know how many wins he comes in. Again, it's not just South Carolina. This is nationally. Yeah. So you would take his wins from North Carolina and South Carolina and, and yeah. get there. I mean, he's definitely – I mean, he's got a young guy that's going to be around for a minute. So, yeah, it could be. The question is, does he go somewhere where it's not as competitive and drills out 20, 30 wins? I mean, but, again, you know, he's at a very competitive place now winning how many state, you know, championships and straight yeah. wins. So, Knowing that he has a house at Polly's Island, not too, in between where you and I are currently right now, knowing there's an opening at Berkeley, that Berkeley County schools play pretty well, you know, can they give him what he wants? Or is there a place on the, you know, on the coastline or, or you know, what have you? You know, it's just, to me, that's just is an interesting story is do they win the state championship? I just feel like, you know, after you win five, what do you do? I think if he, if he doesn't win tonight, and I don't think that happens, by the way, no. Um, I think he would definitely come back. I don't think he's going to walk yeah. away with a loss on his shoulder. No, definitely not. Let's move down to 4A. This is a matchup between two teams that it's the first state title appearance for both programs. Uh, you know, big, you know, big moment for both programs. Who do you have between North Merrill Beach and AC Flora? You know, I – I was there in North Myrtle Beach last Friday, and the light show was incredible. I love the cars they loan, the fence line for the for the t- season ticket holders. I think that adds a lot of flavor to it. The atmosphere was something I've never seen, even though growing up in Myrtle Beach. Back in our day, North Myrtle Beach didn't do a whole lot of football Friday no. nights that we were, you know, watching back in the uh, in the nineties. But they have definitely done it here late and, and doing it big with a lot of big dudes. So. Um, watching how they manhandled Myrtle Beach, you know, I, I've got a lot of respect for the head coach that I played against in high school when he was at Conway, and I know the uh, the defensive coordinator grew up with him as well, Coach Owens. It just to me, it, it was a it was a first class. How do you handle a big name coming into your yard? And, and they did it not once but twice in North Myrtle Beach, beating Myrtle Beach. And you watch a guy like Ryan Berger, who was very similar to the quarterback up there at AC Flora. And you see the receiving core is very similar. The running game is very similar. So, before that game happened on Friday, I was thinking, AC Flores got this. This is a good win for them. I kind of picked them in the preseason to kind of do what they're doing because Terry Orth is the quarterback coach there. And, you know, what he's been able to do around the state with a lot of our young athletes. But then I saw the defense. Man, that defense for North Myrtle Beach is as good as what you would see, you know, in, in a lot of areas that have done some big things. I thought it about – you know, maybe coin them against that, that steel curtain of what you see at Pittsburgh back in the day because you can't get past that front line. If they think they're no. going to run on these kids, 
it's not going to happen. So, no. you know, I, I think North Myrtle, if they play their game and they don't get swamped up into all this heat and holler of college game days back in Myrtle Beach and they're up at the state championship and the whistles and the bells, because I think that's what happened when they played North Augusta a couple of weeks ago. I think they kind of got in that wow moment. Right, I think they were just kind of thinking ahead of Myrtle Beach if that was kind of going to be the case, and ended up and it didn't bite them, but it definitely wasn't their best game. But I think they they allowed that game of a mistake to happen so that they can kind of play what they did last week, and if they play the same way, and they make they make this team AC Floor a one dimensional running team like they did with Myrtle Beach. No, I don't think North Myrtle Beach is denied, and I think that 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 Cinderella season has a nice little crown to it at the end of it all tomorrow night after about, what, 9, 30, 10 o'clock when it's done? Yeah, somewhere around there. <clears throat> yeah, I I definitely – I think North Myrtle Beach has enough to uh, win this one. Uh, moving down to 3A, we got Camden and Daniel. Who you got in that one? So, I looked at Daniel, and again – They've got a lot of Clemson Tigers coaches, kids over there. They've been kind of doing that. That's been like a pipeline for the Tigers, it seems like, for a little minute. And earlier, very similar to what I just said about AC Flora, I had Daniel going in all season as the team to watch out for. But that lane train and the other running back back there for Camden, I started watching them, and I watched them go up to Burns and, and manhandle the Rebels the way they did. And for a 3A to go up to a, a 5A and do what they did was impressive. And then – you know, we were watching a lot of film because we were going to go down and cover that game between them and Oceanside. And we've had a lot of Camden guys on. We had Daniel guys on Monday as well. And no disrespect to Daniel, but I, I just feel like Camden's got that quarterback that has a really good way of moving his guys around by checking out the defense. He doesn't have to wait on the coaches to call it from the sidelines. And he's doing audibles early and often. And so you're seeing that with those that two-headed, you know, I would say Thunder Lightning package behind him with some receivers that are big. And then in the secondary, they've got a few guys that, that I think fly around the ball pretty well. So I have been bit by not picking Camden in the past few weeks, and maybe I'm going to mess them up this weekend, but I hope not. But I think Camden wins this one. I think it's probably the best game, by the way, of the weekend. I really do. I think these two teams are going to probably bring – uh, four and three are going to be the best two games, I think, in the state championship games. Mm-hmm. But 3A is, I feel, the best game of the weekend. Hmm. I I think I'm probably going to have to say 4A will probably be the best game. But 3A is going to be a good one, definitely. Do you think if the game would have been able to play, be played, do you still think Camden would have gone here? Or do you think we'd be talking about potentially Oceanside? being in this position. I, I you know, and, and, and of course, uh, uh, my brother is one of the coaches over there, uh, the head coach, uh, I call him the bull shark for the land sharks, uh, Joe call. And really honestly, um, when, when you look at the, 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 the things, I, I think Camden just has a few more dogs, no pendant as the, the bulldogs, but I, I think yeah. they got just a few more dogs. I think they're, I think Oceanside's one year away from having that special season. I think they, they rebounded well with Keegan Williams that left last year. Now he's up there at UNCW doing his thing as a running back. But, you know, they've got this young sophomore kid that's a stud that's doing things. They've got, you know, you know Garrison Kepley, that, that he's a, a great quarterback. That's another guy that wasn't there last year. they got a lot of guys who were on the sidelines the year before. So now they've got a year under their belt. Next year is going to be their year. I just don't think they had enough this year. And after watching – the way that they, they struggled to finish the game against Gray, who, you know, another great team, but in 2A, 
you know, that's a very similar game plan that you would have saw out of Camden that you see out of Camden that I think would have still had them at this point. I think there's some teams that are just kind of destined, and I think this is that year for Camden. Yeah, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Since 2A, that game's not going to be played against – or not going to be played until next week, we'll go down to 1A. Who who you got in that one? Well, you know, this is a team that I don't I haven't learned. You know, I, I keep trying to think, okay, how good are they? And, and, of course, now we're talking about Lakeview. We're talking about Southside Christian. Now, I like Southside Christian's three logos, that, or three letters. That's SSC for Southern Sports Central. And that's kind of been the one thing that I've enjoyed the most out of watching these guys beat all these teams that they've been able to kind of walk through, of course, you know, uh, through, of course, beating that Delightville Hilda team, which I thought was the big win. And so they went in to beat Lamar. Now, Lamar is a team that everybody's well aware of. It's a household name. So I thought, wow, wait a minute. They're pretty they're pretty solid. But I cannot go uh, against a team that is in, I think, Dillon County, right? I mean, you look at Lakeview. You know who puts out talent, and, and, and it's not just the Dillon Wildcats. It's these Gators, man, these wild Gators of, of Lakeview. I mean, they have gone through. They beat Carter's Bay. They end up knocking down earlier before that. They beat Fairfax. That was Allendale Fairfax. And then when they won at home to get into this game against a team like Bamberg, who has historically put mega talent on this field on both sides of the ball, I, I just thought to myself, wow, you cannot go against a team like Lakeview who I feel is, is the team to beat. You know, they've uh, they've been here. They understand the, the what it takes. You know, a lot of their, I would imagine, family members have played in a state championship because a lot of them could have gone to Dillon, who Jackie Hayes has done his thing. And it seems like it's very contagious in that county because I think they are going to bring back, uh, even though Dillon fell short, I, I think these guys are going to do it in, in, in the 1A market. Yeah, I, I would definitely have to agree with that. I mean, I knew right from the beginning of the season when Lakeview beat Green Sea Floyds uh, that this team was going to be the real deal, and they've proven it this season. Well, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I, go I ahead. So, Brandon, you know, and the, you know the one thing that again I know that next week we'll we'll talk about this other game with uh, Marion, and our thoughts and prayers are not just with the young man who has evidently been the contact with this thing. Anybody who's come in contact with them, you know, the community, you know, overall, you know, you, you just hate to hear it. For, for the guys up there, you know, in, in the big A over there around the corner from the promised land, look, you get another week, you know, you will be the only game in town. You will be the highlighted yep. game in town. There's a lot of ways to spend this positively. And the final thing, because i got to get off here and let you kind of roll through hour number two. But if you ask the question about how do you manage and watch basketball, what will be some of the first signs of if the season makes it or not in college basketball, watch the Ivy League. Watch the Ivy League. They controlled it last year when the Ivy League started pulling out. There's doctors and lawyers and and those type of Mm -hmm. schools started pulling those teams out. If you look, that's when the rest of the country follows suit. The the only thing that I'll say about that uh, is the fact that we kind of thought that when it came to football as well. And that didn't end up happening. So, and the Ivy well, League has already canceled. It's an outside sport, though. I think, Brandon, the only reason is because it's an outside sport. Again, mm-hmm. outside-wise, it's, it's, a, it's a different – it's like apples to oranges to me. You know, and I know a lot of people don't mm-hmm. understand that because, like, well, they're tackling each other. Yeah, I get that part. But 
when you're combined yeah. inside a gym like that, I, I think it adds a little different conversation, brother. Because uh, I don't know if you saw, but uh, the Ivy League has already canceled basketball. That's well. See, I did, I haven't. I unfortunately haven't had a chance to. I'm slowly turning that basketball page. So, so none of the Ivy schools are even going to be getting into this, even as early as or as late, I should say, as in January. No. They canceled it a few weeks ago. They completely canceled the season. They canceled all winter sports. Uh, something no. to be watching for, brother. I tell you yeah. what, man, we're we're blessed this year to have the sports we have. Like I said, yeah. for the music lovers. Ask them how they feel about their season. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, ask some of these other individuals who aren't seeing some of the things that they're normal used to seeing. I mean, just think about it. The other day, we had about five different sports, and one of those was the Masters happening. So, you know, mm-hmm. we are kind of getting it all kind of crammed in right now, and I appreciate it. All I ask is that you guys continue to be socially distanced. You guys continue to yep. do the things that you need to do so that we can enjoy what we can. Brandon, enjoyed having you uh, back in the studio here today. I'm glad you're back with us, and you and yep. I will touch base uh, once we get off the air. But uh, glad to hear your boys back here on uh, Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central, buddy. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for covering, covering for me a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we'll We'll talk to you later. All right, buddy. Take care. Yep. So we'll take a quick break and come right back. Uh, talk. We'll talk a little bit. I'll give you my thoughts. Kind of gave you my thoughts already uh, on the state championship games, but we'll do a little bit more of a preview in preparation for Matt Real joining me at 8:30. So be sure to keep it locked right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. Always fun talking to Richie. And as always, if you want to get in your thoughts, if you want to call in, talk about whatever, uh, what everything that's going on, whether it's high school football, whether it, you know, whether it's the state championships this weekend, whether it's high school basketball, whether it's college, what have you, be sure to call in 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681, as we have uh, a little over 15 minutes before Lou Bejek, or excuse me, before Matt Real will join me uh, on the show, the the head coach for North Myrtle Beach. Normally, Lou comes on around this time, but this week, a little uh, change in scheduling due to... uh, some people not being able to join me this morning and having to move some things around. But like we said, or like I said, let's talk some state championship games uh, real quick. In 5A, Dutch Fork versus T.O. Hanna, we talked about it. You know, uh, Coach Tom Knotts looking for his fifth straight uh, state championship. Uh, and I think he's going to get it. I think, you know, I, we've talked about it. I've talked about it over, you know, throughout the playoffs. Uh, You know, you don't bet against Dutch Fork. Uh, Dutch Fork is like the Alabama or like the New England Patriots uh, of South Carolina high school football. You just, you know that they're always going to be in contention. They're always going to be the favorites to win 5A. I mean, they haven't ever since 5A has been a thing which was back in 2016, they have yet to lose a state championship. They have won every single 5A state championship. So that is, that's what T.L. Hannah is up against. And I don't think it's going to change. And now the interesting thing and and Richie brought it up, and I didn't even really think about it because he's got such a good job over there. He's, you know, he is the face of Dutch Fork. You know, yes, he doesn't have the, the caliber of players, um, you know, as he has in the past, even though he still has some great players. You know, Antonio Will, Williams, you know, still a beast. Uh, you know, they still have a lot of pieces over there. Obviously, Will Taylor dual sport athlete, all of that, Elijah Spencer, you know, all of the great players that they have, uh, you know, even with that, you know, you still have to think, you know, uh, or, or you, you still have to wonder and, and Richie brought it up and I'm, I'm very interested to see. I may, you know, I may ask Lou about it, uh, see what he thinks about it. You know, uh, you know, does Tom Knotts leave Dutch Fork after this? Um, And if he does, where does he go? So it's going to be a very interesting kind of situation to see, you know, how that all plays out. Uh, I don't think he should leave personally because, you know, you've got your best team 
you know, right there in at Dutch Fork, unless another team and and he's already said he likes the atmosphere of high school. He, you know, he could easily go coach in college if he wanted. But he's already said he likes the atmosphere. He likes the 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 way things are done in high school as compared to college. He's already done college. And he said, it's not for me. So I I don't think he leaves, but it's going to be an interesting topic of discussion. If he wins tonight, then the questions are going to be asked. Going down to 4A, and, and we'll, we'll talk to uh, Coach Real about this game in just a little bit. North Merrill Beach versus AT Flora. Uh First state title game appearance for both programs. Big, big stakes for both of these programs. Uh, but I think as long as North Merrill Beach plays the game that they're that they want to play, that they have the pieces needed to win this game. So I'm picking North Merrill Beach on that one. Camden against Dillon. This is going to be an interesting one. Like like we talked about uh, with Richie, you know, these two teams are very, you know, are are very similar. Uh, Camden and Daniel very similar. Uh, I'm going to have to take Camden. I I think Camden, you know. And and they're going to have a chip on their shoulder, too, because a lot of people are going to ask the question that I asked Richie, which is, which is, does, do they deserve to be here? Or did they luck out by the fact that Oceanside didn't, weren't able to play? So, you know, I think I agree. I think I agree that they probably would have gotten into this spot regardless, but it's it's still that added bonus motivation for Camden saying, "Hey, some people are say are going to say we don't deserve to be here, so let's prove that we do." Like I said, Marion versus Abbeville was supposed to be played this evening, uh, but due to some COVID issues over at Marion, game has been moved back to next week. Uh, obviously, you know, quick health or quick recovery and good health to everyone over at Marion. Uh, but like like Richie said, it there there is that uh, there is that kind of silver lining in this of hey now you get to be the show you get to be the main event you know 2a you know everyone always talks about 5a you know people talk about 4a a lot but from after 4a you know unless you're a fan of those teams or unless you live in those communities not as many people are talking about 3A, 2A, and 1A. But now, 2A, and, you know, I know there are a ton of Abbeville fans who think that, you know, 
Abbeville can beat anyone, well, you know, you don't you don't necessarily get to show it right now, but you get that spotlight. You get that ability to show the state what you're made of next week. Because I could imagine, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe not, you know, depending upon TV and, and all of this. But that game, you know, especially, you know, you know, we're going to talk some basketball. Obviously, you know, both uh, Richie and I are covering basketball. We love basketball as well. But, you know, if you guys have watched the uh, – the the Saturdays Down South uh, documentaries for on ESPN, you know uh, the the Swanee AD said something, you know that that is true. That really is true. You know this is the South Sun, and what matters, what matters most, is football. So you know all of those fans that primarily do focus on football, that's going to be the last game of the season. So the fact that it gets that extra week, it's going to be the last game of the season instead of the first of the championships. Now it's going to be the last game of the season. That puts an added bonus on of all eyes are going to be on you. I mean, all eyes were going to be on them anyway, but especially now it's going to be even bigger. So, you know, there's your silver lining, Abbeville fans, for this game being postponed. Take it as you will. Going down to 1A, Lakeview and Southside Christian, tomorrow morning. (coughs) Like I said, this game, you know, nothing against Southside Christian. Southside Christian is a great team. Uh, but Lakeview, ever since they pulled off, and, and, you know, it wasn't as big of an upset as we all thought when the season first started. Uh, but as soon as Lakeview beat Green Sea Floyds, week one, automatically I said, okay. They're a team. They are the team to beat at this point, because Green Sea Floyd's was the two-time defending champions going into that game. Yes, it's not the same Green Sea Floyd's team, and yes, you know, in a regular season, they would have made the playoffs, and then who knows what would have happened. But Lakeview beating them, week one that showed that Lakeview was the team to beat this season. And they've continued to show it throughout the season. So, you know, I'm taking Lakeview in that one. So there are my picks uh, for the state championship games. Uh, It should be a fun couple of days. And and obviously next week with the 2A game. Uh, But yeah, you know, and... And like I said, you know, for when one season ends, and and this is this is one of the great things, and there are some who are you know exclusively football fans or exclusively basketball fans or exclusively baseball fans, 
which I I always mean to ask these people, what do you do the the other you know seven eight nine months of the season or of the year rather? What do you do with yourself? Because that's the thing that I love about being a fan of all of the you know all of the major sports in the U.S. And even, you know, even abroad, I'm a, I'm a soccer fan as well. You know, I like the major football, baseball, basketball, and hockey. Uh, so, you know, you never have an off season. You know, even in, even on the high school and college level, you don't have an off season because, you know, fall, you have football, winter is basketball, spring is baseball, and then summer is a combination of summer ball for baseball, you know, you know, su- you know, summer ball for baseball. You've got AAU games for basketball, and you know, practice and you know, camps and all of that for football. So you never have that time off. You always have something going on. And and that's what's great about being a you know being a fan of more than one sport. So after this week, you know we'll we'll talk a couple of things about uh, basketball right here in just a second. But next week we'll really we'll really delve into uh, the basketball season and and who are the teams to beat all of that. Uh, but a couple of more a couple of other news notes. Uh, before we take a quick break, and then we've got uh, Matt Real coming on at 8.30. Uh, Jaleel Skinner from Greer will be at the All-American Bowl. Uh, Randy Robinson, like like Richie and I talked about, he's retired from Berkeley. So that is a big job in the state. And that's going to be a game. That's going to be a job that's going to be going to be interesting to see how they fill that. Who's going to take that spot in that? That right there, I think, is going to start a very interesting uh, coaching carousel season here in South Carolina. Because that's a big job. That's a very big job. And I think there's another big job open, if I remember correctly. I forget what school. But um, But if I remember correctly, I believe there was another coach that retired as well. So there are a couple of openings in the state that are going to make uh, things very interesting uh, during this offseason. Now going over quick little basketball notes real quick. Uh, The South Carolina Hoop Report preseason Sweet 16 came out. Legacy Early College with number one, followed by Ridgeview, Dorman, Blythewood, Gray Collegiate, Keenan, Malden, Porter God, Dutch Fork, Christchurch, Trinity Burns, AC Flora, Draher, uh, Seneca, Marlborough County, and Leg- and Legion Collegiate. Uh, a couple of big names on there. Uh, the big one for me personally, because you know, and and we'll talk about this in a little bit. Dorman and Blythewood being at three and four, 
but surprisingly, Ridgeview being above both of them. Uh, but Dorman and Blythewood both going to be at the Beach Ball Classic, uh, and that's going to be something uh, to keep an eye on. Gray Collegiate won the Zaxby's Tip-Off Classic. Sumter won the Girls' Zaxby's Tip-Off Classic. Cardinal Newman girls won the Bishops' preseason tournament. And the Irmo girls won the She Got Next tournament. Uh, And then the big news, like I said, not sure who they're replacing um, or who, uh, who dropped out. But excuse me, Darlington announced, I believe it was yesterday uh, or the day before, that they were invited to play in the Beach Ball Classic. Not sure who they're replacing, like I said, but still, congratulations to them. And that puts a bigger highlight on the area and Region 6, 4A, because now there are three teams from that region in the Beach Ball Classic this year. You got North Myrtle Beach and Myrtle Beach, and now Darlington as well. So, as well as Socastia and Carolina Forest. So, that's it. That's going to be a very fun tournament to cover, and, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. So, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have Matt Real, head coach from North Morrow Beach, on. So be sure to keep it locked right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. I can't begin to know him, but then I know it's growing strong. Wasn't the spring, and spring became the summer. <coughs> Who'd have believed you'd come along? Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you. Reaching out, 
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited as we have Coach Matt Real on, head coach of the North Merrill Beach Chiefs. Coach, how's it going this morning? Hey, good morning. How you guys doing? Pretty good, pretty good. First off, congrats on making it to the state championship for the first time in program history. What does it mean for the program and to the entire North Merrill Beach community making it to the title game? Um, like you said, it's, it's never been done before. And I think it's just uh, kind of a validation in a way, you know, of, of what we've been doing, you know, especially since, you know, I've been here seven years ago. Uh, I was here for, you know, three years as an assistant coach before taking over. So, um, you know, I've seen what, what the transformations looked like. I've seen what, you know, what our vision was for the program. And, um, you know, I think it just kind of validates, you know, how we do things, our culture. And uh, I'm just really excited for, um, you know, our community who's invested so much, our coaches who's invested so much, and obviously our players um, who've sacrificed a lot, you know, especially this year uh, with everything going on to to be at this point and have the opportunity we have tomorrow night. It's just a really special time. You, you mentioned how big of a transformation this program, you know, for this program has been where it's gone from an afterthought afterthought in the community or in the area uh, to now being in the state title game. What has been the biggest key to that transformation? Well, I think there's a lot of, a lot of pieces to it. Um, You know, I I think you have to have the right type of coaches um, that want to, you know, one that aren't scared uh, to change culture and hold kids to a higher standard, hold kids to, Go ahead. You there? You there, Coach? I think we've got got some problems with Coach Real. Can't seem to hear him. Can you hear me now? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, there we go. My it was on my end apparently. Go ahead. 
No, I just think, you know, you, you were asking, you know, about the transformation. And yeah. I think, you know, any time you, you have a program, you know, that, that needs to be rebuilt, you know, you got to be willing to press the issue on some things. And, you know, we've I think we've done a good job of, of changing the culture. And, and our kids expect to work, you know, all, all year round now, weight room, in the classroom, uh, in our service projects outside of school. Um, you know, and I think it takes a lot of different pieces. You know, the administration had to change some things as far as the way our, our football classes work during the school day. Um, the community, you know, being so involved. You know, I don't think there's ever been a lack of support from the community or interest in football. Um, I think they, you know, they were just waiting for the opportunities to be able to do everything they've done, you know, and, um, you know, winning a, a good number of games the last five or six years has helped that. Um, it's created more energy, got more players out, um, you know, and I think that's, you know, there's so many pieces to it. There's, I can't just look at one thing and say this is, you know, what changed everything, but I think it's just a collective a collective group of guys that uh, have bought into everything we do. Um, it, it's, a, it's a priority now. It's not an afterthought like what you said. Um, and, and kids have, have really bought into, you know, how we do things, and I think that's a testament to them. Um, and, I, and I say it all the time, it's a testament to how good and how dedicated my other staff members are you know, to the program and, and, and investing in every single day. What has been some of the differences and some of the challenges in this season as compared to other years because of, you know, what's going on? Uh, I think the biggest thing is, is just handling everything we can handle. You know, uh, we spend extra time every day cleaning. Um, you know, keeping the kids separate, bus charts, um, six feet, you know, as much as possible within what we do. Um, and, and really, it's, it's kind of fell back on the kids, you know, to, to take pride in doing those little things, you know, having your mask on in the locker room, uh, having your mask on on the bus. Um, and it's also falling on our coaches, you know, as an extra, um, you know, just as extra, you know, job duties, really, as to making sure that we're doing all those things. Uh, we've got a a really nice sprayer that our, our athletic department bought for us that we use every day in the locker room. We use it every day in the weight room. Um, our, our regular locker rooms at school, the gyms. I mean, everything uh, that our that our student athletes would, would participate in or use, you know, we have a, a mechanism to clean those things effectively for 48 hours from the first time we spray it. So, um, you know, I think that's just been a huge thing that we've really taken pride in and, and our kids have had to sacrifice some things. They can't go out and do what they want to do. They can't, you know, go and visit family like they want to go and visit family. Uh, it's just kind of something that we've we've told our coaches and players that you know this year for us to have a chance to to play every game, you know, we're going to have to sacrifice some things, you know, on the front end to be able to enjoy you know kind of where we're at right now. And I think our coaches have done a, a great job of of doing that and showing our kids that plan. And then our kids have done a great job of of, you know, carrying it out and, and making, you know, football, you know, outside their family and church the next most important thing. And I think that's, that's been a, a big key into it. Looking on to the game itself, you know, AC Flora also their first time uh, in the state championship game. What are your thoughts on their program and, and what they've accomplished over there? Oh, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of really good football players on their team. Uh, Coach Curtis has obviously done a very good job with his staff of getting those guys, um, you know, kind of in the same thing. You know, when he took over, uh, they weren't, 
at the time a very successful program um, and it, and quickly turned that around in two years. Uh, they had a really good year last year. And then this year, obviously, you know, being undefeated and, and waiting for us in the state championship, they've done a tremendous job with, with changing, you know, the guard there and, and making those guys relevant again as well, too. So uh, hats off to them for what they've accomplished. And uh, it should be a really good game Saturday night. You know, two undefeated teams. I feel like really, you know, the, the two very best teams in the state that could be playing in the 4A division. And uh, we're just really excited about getting to play those guys. Many have said that this is going to be a battle of two teams that play very similarly, play the, have the same sort of style. Does it make that? Does it make it easier or harder to prepare for a game like this when you're essentially preparing against yourself? Uh, I don't. I don't think it makes it any easier or, or harder. Um, you know, the, the, we do the same thing we do every week. We we go in and break down their film and and see what they want to do well. And then our, our job as coaches is to figure out, you know, scheme-wise, X and O-wise, how you stop those things. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know, that game plan gets to our kids, and then, you know, at a certain point it's up to those kids to make those plays. So um, nothing really different. Um, you know, obviously I watching them on film, they are very uh, similar to us or we're very similar to them, however you want to, you know, however you want to say it. Uh, two physical teams that really enjoy, you know, trying to dominate the line of scrimmage. We really enjoy – uh, trying to punish the other team and wear them down. And they've done a really good job of that, um, you know, over this season. So, um, I really believe, you know, tomorrow night it's going to come down to who tackles the best, uh, who, who takes care of the football the best. And I think whoever executes the best, obviously, is going to have a really good chance to uh, to win that game, you know, Saturday night. So, assuming that you are able to win tomorrow night – be honest. What would be? What's the bigger accomplishment this season? Winning the state title game, going undefeated, or being able to beat Myrtle Beach twice? <laughs> well, I think you know both of them are pretty big feats. But you know, to me, if, if we can get through this whole season unscathed, and mm-hmm. for the first time in school history, you know, go in there and win a state championship, I think there's no doubt that's the bigger feat. Um, and that's not taking anything away from Myrtle Beach. They're a great, they're a great program, and um, and, and they, were, you know, obviously were two two big games for us this year. And I told our guys, you know, just don't be surprised. You know, after we won the first time, don't be surprised if we got to go through them again to get there. Um, so I, I think it's obviously for our community, it's a big feat um, to, to beat those guys twice and beat them soundly the way we did. But uh, obviously, you know, anytime you know you have a chance to win a state championship and and be able to say at the end of the year that you're the very best there is. You know, out of all the, the great football teams we've played this year in our region, um, the teams we played in the playoffs, you know, for us to be able to look look back, you know, if we get to that point and say we're 10-0, um, there's no there's no greater feeling, you know, than winning that championship and having that, you know, to hold for the rest of your life. And that's what I want for our kids. That's what I want for our staff. And that's what I want for our community. You know, for, for this year, for 2020, you know, until we strap it up to get into 2021, we're the very best there is in the state of South Carolina. And um, if you can say that, you know, it's been a really special year. Absolutely. Well, good luck tomorrow. Uh, You know, I'm sure the entire community will be watching uh, and, you know, bring home the state championship for North Merrill Beach. Brandon, I appreciate you. and We're going to do our very best. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Once again, that's Matt Real, head coach 
for North Myrtle Beach, and, you know, yeah, it's going to be a great game tomorrow. Uh, <clears throat> it's going to be a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, it, it's going to make the whole program, uh, you know, just become so much bigger, not just uh, football, but I think it will also galvanize, uh, you know, will galvanize the other teams, will galvanize, uh, you know, the the basketball program, you know, the volleyball program has had a lot of success over the last couple of years. Didn't do as well as they have in the past this year, but that's, there are, uh, you know, a lot, they had a lot of players that, uh, that were key cogs on that team that graduated this past year. So, uh, you know, but yeah, North Merrill Beach is definitely a a school on the rise. Uh, so good good luck to them, and and it's gonna be that's gonna be a fun game. Like I said, you know, like we like Richie and I were talking about. Uh, you know, not sure if that's gonna be the best game either. I I think either that game or the Camden Daniel game tomorrow afternoon are going to be you know the two games tomorrow. Uh, well, two of the three games tomorrow are going to be the the best games uh, in in the state championship this season. Uh, moving on, just a few other notes real quick uh, before we have Lou Beja come on at nine o'clock. Uh, SEHSL had a meeting um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that we didn't get a chance to talk about because of me not being on. Uh, basketball finals may be held at the Florida Civic Center this season. Uh, obviously, with everything going on with COVID, just like the football state championships weren't able to play be played at Williams Bryce, the foot the basketball state championships more than likely barring something crazy happening between now and March won't be able to be played at colonial life. So as of right now, the, the thought are, is that it may be played at the Florence civic center, which will give a bit of an advantage to the lower state, which, you know, the upper state people certainly won't be happy about, but you know, this, this is a unique season. We'll see what happens. Uh, if that does happen, the lower state finals might be held as a regular game at whatever the higher seeds ve- venue is. Uh, so that's going to change some things that will, uh, you know, that that will change uh, how some things are run. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting little thing to keep an eye on going into basketball season. Fall season was finalized. First games will be on March 15th. Uh, so, you know, uh, we're we're moving forward, getting into the winter sports, looking ahead to spring. But, like I talked about with Richie, all of this could easily go away in an instant. Odessa already canceled all athletics until further notice. Orangeburg County postponed all athletics until further notice. So 
already some dominoes are falling. And like I mentioned, the the thing that I'm curious, both curious but also concerned about when it comes to this is the fact that basketball, well, and the entire winter sports season was the one sport that came out of everything unscathed. And with cases rising throughout the country and here in South Carolina, it's going to make people take pause. And especially with the premise of a vaccine coming, you know, vaccines are slowly starting to be rolled out. It's still kind of in the preliminary stages, but the fact that it's out there gives people hope. And as a result of that, it may convince decision makers to say, let's take a pause Let's see what the vaccine does, and let's see if we can maybe get it to a point where we don't have to worry about anything. And it's basically going to be a more sure version of March, where things get shut down in order to allow people to get vaccinated, and have it get into their system, and then we can reopen everything. Because that was the initial thought for the March shutdowns, was let's stop everything, get it under control, and then we can reopen. Obviously, that didn't happen. But now with a vaccine, you have a more assured possibility of that being able to happen. So, I mean, basketball fans and hey, I don't like it. I'm I I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be too thrilled about it because then, you know, that would shut, you know, broadcast down and everything obviously. If it needs to be done, then it needs to be done. Unfortunately, though, here it will more than likely be a more localized thing or it will have to come from the federal government because I don't think McMaster is going to be shutting down anything. You know, everyone, you know, a lot of people around here have been full steam ahead. And, you know, there are conflicting thoughts on whether or not that's a good thing. You know, But whether or not you think it's a good thing, you need to realize that sometimes, you know, things need to be done in order to keep people safe. And and like I said, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully that, hopefully these thoughts are not, you know, what happens. But if it needs to happen, then it needs to happen. Simple as that. 
Moving on over to some recruiting news, catch up on some recruiting notes uh, from the last couple of weeks that we've missed. Montique Range from Sumter was offered by ULM. Drew Bobo from Hammond offered by Liberty. A bunch of Citadel offers. Alex Lewis from Heathwood Hall. Jeremiah Foster from Blacksburg. Eric Rice from AC Flora. Josiah Benson from Daniel and Mason Harrington from Hammond, all offered by Citadel, as well as Caleb Rayner from South Point. So a bunch of good, a, a bunch of good offers for Citadel there. Obviously trying to stay in state. Troy Bell from Boiling Springs was offered by Campbell. Will Fowler from Spartanburg offered by ECU. Antonio Williams from Dutch Fork a couple of weeks ago had a big week offered by USC, South Carolina, and Louisville. Like I mentioned, he is a big, a big time player over at Dutch Fork. He's looking to win a state championship tonight. Demetrius Harris from Abbeville offered by Cornell. Eric Rice got another offer. He got offered by Stetson. Byron Young from Carver's Bay offered by both App State and Ole Miss. Caleb Rayner from South Point offered by Citadel, like I mentioned. Noah McKinney from Burns offered by Presbyterian. Jalen Tolbert from Greenwood offered by Georgia State. Miller Dearman from Greer offered by Gardner Webb, as was Cole Hoskins from Chesney. He was offered he was also offered by Stetson. Edward Owasu from Dutch Fork offered by Charleston Southern. Caleb Godfrey from Carolina Forest offered by Western Carolina. Kyle Watkins also from Carolina Forest offered by Presbyterian. Those were both their first. uh, uh, Actually, Caleb Godfrey was also offered by Presbyterian. Uh, Both of those were their uh, first D1 offers. Adam Randall got another offer. He got offered by Miami. And Chase Simmons, while he was offered by Kent State, he still committed to Coastal a few weeks ago. So congrats to him going, staying home and going to Coastal. And he's looking to win a state championship tonight. Jordan Mahoney from South Point committed to UMass. DJ Farrell from Clover commits to Charlotte. Mason Floyd from Ben Lipping committed to the Citadel. Eddie Marinaro from Bitch of England committed to Clemson, or excuse me, to Cornell. Mason Harrington from Hammond commits to Wofford. Nicholas Chambers from Somerville committed to the Citadel. Deshaun Brown from York committed to App State. Jay Lil Fultler from Lakewood committed. Sorry about that, a little technical difficulty right there. But we'll take a quick break and come right back with Lou Bejack from the state coming on to talk about the high school football championships and talk about a couple of other things 
right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central as we await Lou Bejak to join me this morning. And uh, while we wait for him, just in case, uh, because I know it cut off, uh, had some technical difficulties right there, I'll finish up the uh, commitments uh, for this week. Going on to the Harwood Cesar Edwards Signed with Xavier on the baseball diamond, Camden Troyer from Powdersville. Signed with Clemson, Cesar Edwards from Hartsville, obviously. And he's been uh, committed to Xavier for a while. Uh, Payne Nelson from Hillcrest, also on the baseball diamond, signed with Charleston. Tyler Overholt from Abbeville, also signed with Charleston. And Darian Pendergrass from Hartsville, officially signed with South Carolina. While we uh, await Lou, might as well talk some uh, college football just a little bit. The the Las Vegas Bowl, which was supposed to happen uh, later this month, has been canceled. Another bowl got canceled as... There we have Lou on right now, so we'll finish off the college talk in just a little bit. 
after Lou, after we finish up with Lou. Lou, how's it going this morning? Pretty good, Brandon. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Big big night tonight and, and tomorrow, uh, state championships. First off tonight, Dutch Fork plays T.O. Hanna in the 5A championship game. What are some of the keys for each team, and, and who do you have winning this one? Uh, I got Dutch Fork winning. I think it's going to be hard to uh, go against a team that's won four in a row and uh, unbeaten in 49 straight games. Um, key, though, for uh, T.O. Hanna to just continue to do what they do. I mean, they run that wing T offense. They're not going to change their philosophy uh, the week of a championship game. Just be able to ground, grind out yards and uh, f- find out, find the hole in um, Dutch Fork's defense so they might be able to hit a couple big running plays and just uh, control the ball, control the ball possession, um, I think, and try, try and slow down Dutch Fork's uh, passing attack, which mm-hmm. – they have two dynamic receivers that, with Antonio Williams and Elijah Spencer, and um, that's going to be a key for them. Dutch Fork, um, just I mean, stay. I mean, stay the course. They've been in this situation, but some of these kids in the starting roles um, have not. Quarterback Will Taylor. This is his first state championship game, um, so he might be a little nervous. I think. Um, I think they're going to maybe run the ball a little bit more like like they have in the postseason, especially with Taylor, who's really fast, and they can get him out of the pocket and a lot of designed runs. So uh, I think uh, they'll try to hit the big plays, but they want to control the ball as well. They did that uh, really well against Sumter in just uh, their defense. I think, I mean, their, their defense is really solid, uh, shutting out a good Sumter team last week. And just uh, I think if they can uh, slow down that running attack and if they can get up uh, one or two scores early, it would – T.O. Hanna, their offense, not usually uh, designed to come back from big uh, deficits. Uh, that can be a problem uh, tonight. How we, – we see it in college all the time when teams go and face off against an Army or a Navy or Georgia Southern. How hard is it for – especially in high school where pretty much everyone is running the spread at this point. How hard is it for a yeah. team to have to change gears and have to deal with a, a wing offense like TL has? Okay, they um they um it, it's tough. It's it's definitely tough. Uh, one, one thing Dutch Fork has in their favor, they played this team two years ago, so they know w- what to expect uh, a little bit. And uh, uh, one thing, also one thing, uh, TL Hammond doesn't have Zach Pickens in that backfield and, and on defense. So that could be a key, but yeah, I think uh, it's definitely a little bit harder to prepare and simulate, and they got to be a lot very disciplined. Um, I know there's a lot of extra film study this week, but uh, Coach Noss, defense coordinator Nick Pelham's is about as good as you can get in uh, the state as far as defense coordinator. So hopefully he'll have a game plan and a scheme to try and stop these guys. So, um, but like you said, it, it is tough because they don't see it. Uh, I mean, River Bluff kind of runs the ball. They don't run a wing tee, but they're ground-oriented. But they have seen some run-oriented teams like Carolina Forest. They did have some trouble with Carolina Forest. So uh, we'll see tonight. Uh, I think it's going to be a good ball game. Uh, two years ago when they played, it was it was close in the fourth quarter until a turnover, a Dutch fork at a 90-plus yard uh, return on a fumble to kind of have momentum go their way. If Tom Knotts is able to win his fifth straight championship, uh, tonight, 
would you say he's already the most accomplished coach in South Carolina high school football history? I mean, it's, I don't know if you can go against John McKissick. That that would be hmm. big. I mean, I mean, would McKissick's win total Nuss uh, would have to coach probably another ten, fifteen years to get that. But I mean, if he wins tonight, it'll be thirteen state championships, and it's hard hard to argue with that. Six at Dutch Fork, seven in North Carolina. He would hold uh, the two uh, longest consecutive. Uh, championship streaks in both states if that happens because no one in South Carolina history has won five in a row so yeah that, that's a good, be a good debate I think I think he's one of the best to ever do it in the country not just in the Carolinas so yeah. but uh it may be a little bit longer before um, the McKissick talk it, it depends I mean some people might think he might be better but I mean McKissick for as long as he did it and um how long and just the impact he's had on people so uh, that's a good debate, maybe, uh, maybe for next week or in the years to come as well. Yes. Uh, one thing, uh, Rich and I were actually talking about this earlier. He brought this up as a potential. Um, he's thinking that if not wins tonight, he doesn't really have much else to prove at Dutch Fork. Is there any potential? Is there any talk of him potentially leaving to go somewhere else if he wins tonight? Well, he was one of the finalists for the um, Valdosta job this past year. I mean, so in all of his stops, he's been at um, this is his fourth stop, third stop uh, in West Charlotte, 10 years, uh, 10 years at um, Independence, and now he's been 11 uh, Dutch Fork. I think he also coached at Harding as well. Um, so, he, yeah, he doesn't usually stay past 10 years, but um, and I know his family's happy here. He has a son that's involved with uh, – uh, sports he's grown up and I think he wants to coach his son is who's 12 so uh, I think if he goes anywhere it's not going to be in state it, it would be out of state maybe to Georgia or Florida um, uh, for a job there moving on down to uh, 4A what are some of the keys in that one and and who are you taking in, in 4A I like Florida Florida in a close one in a close low scoring game I think uh, these, these games are going to be really good, and it's going to be one up front. Uh, both teams run the ball so well. Uh, North Myrtle Beach with their option offense and Flora with the, the way they rotate their backs and just um, their designed runs. And they're really good running the ball. I think they've uh, rushed the ball, uh, I think, 13, over 1,300 yards combined in their three playoff wins. So uh, it's whoever wins the line of scrimmage in uh, – uh, is more physical and is able to force their will on the other, I think is going to be the key uh, in this one. But I think it's going to be a low scoring, a uh, very fun game to watch. Uh, two teams that have never been there uh, before, AC Flora um, trying to uh, break a championship trout for Richland 1 school district. They haven't won a football state championship in any of the schools uh, in 50 years. So it's going to be big. It's uh, a lot of anticipation for this one for sure. You mentioned it, how both of these teams' first title in program history for both. Um, who would you say it, it's more important for, like you said, you know, AC Floor also trying to break that Richland 1 drought. Uh, what community do you think this would be a, a more important win for? I think for both. Uh, I mean, maybe for Flora because, I mean, it's, it's a home one. It's I mean, uh, Benedict's uh, a couple miles from their campus, and 
just the anticipation. But North Myrtle Beach, this would be huge for the Grand Strand. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many years it's been Myrtle Beach, and before that it was Conway. Now I, I think you've seen a little bit of a shift in the way that program's been able to grow over the years. Uh, they've had a couple coaches come through uh, that are now in our area, Perry Woolbright and Blair Harden, and Matt Reel's done a great job of taking it from uh, Blair and uh, re- really going with this and um, – I think it's fantastic for uh, uh, North Myrtle Beach to be in the championship, and you might not see the last of them for sure. Yeah, that that def, that program definitely seems like it's uh, one on the rise. Going down to uh, 3A, what are some of your keys uh, for the Camden Daniel game, and and who do you have in that one? Uh, I like Camden. I mean, they're just. Um, I think this could this might be the best game of the weekend. Um, just as far as the potential for a high scoring, be like points. Uh, both teams like to score. Uh, they do it in a little bit different way. Um, you know, Camden does it running the ball, and Daniel throws it, and I think uh, it has a chance to be a, a a good ball game. I think if Camden's able to smash mouth and run right at him and hit him in the mouth, I think it could be huge um, to force their will. They, and the way they, the running backs, Willis Lane, and Mr. Football finalist, Leroy Bracey, really good. Um, they got speed. They got power. And uh, Jafari Pearson also can run the ball to the quarterback and uh, throw it if you need it. So uh, defense is going to be big. Who can uh, stop each other and uh, keep um, the other off the field? It's going to be a, it's going to be key. Um, Camden, it's been a while, like I said, for them too. Uh, it's 18 years. Uh, since they've been that championship 19 since they won one the community is just uh, fired up for sure they're having a watch party at uh, at the high school tomorrow on the school has a huge jumbotron so they're going to watch the game and stream the game there so the town's really excited for it so it's going to be a great atmosphere and uh, uh, should be a fun uh, high scoring offensive game moving on uh, you know when one season ends another uh, begins uh, basketball has started. What have been some of your early takeaways from some of the preseason tournaments and some of the early games that we've seen so far? I mean, it's not much. I mean, it's it's been weird. I know a few teams kind of shut down a little bit um, with dealing with COVID. So it's going to be uh, touch and go as the season goes along. Uh, there's been there's some good uh, good uh, showcases and tournaments this weekend. Um, the Battle of the Rock is uh, a good one up in Rock Hill where there's a lot of uh, top South Carolina teams going on. And we, we got a big one here this weekend, the Hoopology event at Cardinal Newman, boys and girls. Um, you're going to see huge girls matchup to the top prospects in the state. Cardinal Newman and Keenan uh, go at it. Cardinal Newman girls have been really good so far. They went down and beat Bishop England and won at their tournament, which is hard to do, Bishop England, the way – They've done things over the years, and um, I think the quality of opponents has been pretty good. Uh, the teams have been playing. Dorman played Legacy the other night, um, mm-hmm. and then Legacy played in the Battle of the Rock last night against a Moravian prep team, so it's awesome. So uh, I think uh, it's just getting started. Uh, well, there's a big event next week here to the uh, Bojangles Bash where there's a lot of top South Carolina teams and some out-of-state teams. There's a really good team from Arizona coming, so – think we'll know a little bit more um region plays kind of getting going too as well uh the teams are starting region play earlier so that gets going uh next week as well 
uh, you know, with you know region play starting earlier, um, and especially with uh, you know, uh, Adesso already had to shut down everything uh, for a little while. Orangeburg County shut down things. What are kind of the thoughts? Have you been hearing anything from coaches after those two announcements came out of, you know, are, are there any concerns about the season? Oh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of concern uh, for sure. And uh, coaches are worried. Uh, that's why if you see the team schedules, I mean, no one's doing a 27-game schedule for sure. They're uh, scaled down to 16, 17 games, mostly with the region games, maybe a non-conference uh, home and away uh, for sure. Um, the way they're doing it, the regions are doing it. Most of them are anyway. They're playing the same team twice in one week. Mm-hmm. So that way, if you need a makeup game, uh, you only have to face one team. So that, that's going to be uh, key if uh, you have to make up some games. So uh, it's just going to be touch like it was for football. Every day could be different. I mean, you just got to touch and go and uh, be able to adjust. Um, uh, they put that week at the end, um, kind of a blank week in case makeup games are needed. Uh, right before the playoffs, so uh, he might have to adjust. I, I think things are going to get better, really, and I think by the end of basketball season, you're going to see uh, things sort of, hopefully, things sort of get back to normal, uh, at least for spring sports and everything. Yeah, we can only hope that uh, for spring sports and everything that we're kind of back to normal by then. Uh, always great talking to you, Lou, and uh, good luck over at. Uh, have fun over at Columbia for the uh, for the state championship tonight. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. Yep. Talk to you next week. Once again, that's Lou Bejack from the state. Uh, always fun talking to him. Uh, you know, and you know he he's confident, but you know, like like Richie and I talked about earlier, it's gonna it's gonna be very much touch and go this year. It's going to be very much, uh, you know, on a week-by-week, day-by-day type of thing. Uh, you know, we we saw it in football a little bit, um, you know, especially especially where Lou was or where Lou is. You know, out in the Columbia area, area, especially in the beginning of the season, you had a lot of postponements, a lot of cancellations, uh and so, and and we've already seen it to an extent in basketball, both on the high school and on the college level of games having to be canceled uh, due to COVID issues. But as long as team, you know, as long as teams are doing what they're supposed to do. And keeping themselves safe and all of that, I think, you know, one way or the other, I think we're going to be able to get through the season. Even if, you know, basketball, I, the the big thing about football, and, well, there's a number of things. Like I mentioned, you know, football is a cash crop sport. So, you know, there was more, there was much more of an onus to get it in. Um, the other thing though, is that there's a lot fewer players on a basketball team than on a football team. Now that was one of the concerns, but, but that's the thing. 
that was one of the big concerns about pushing football back even further was that overlap, which, you know, you're seeing a little bit here and there. Teams that, you know, for example, there are a couple of players on North Myrtle Beach that are not that are on both the football and basketball teams that are currently focused on football and aren't didn't play on Tuesday and aren't going to play again tonight. Uh, but, you know, it's only two games, so it's not that big of an issue. But if things if if things go down and things are forced to be pushed back, you may potentially see that happen with basketball and baseball as well of you know, or bas- you know, girls basketball and softball, or basketball and lacrosse, or lo- or basketball and soccer. You may see that between winter and spring if that happens. But because there are fewer players required, now not so much for soccer, but for baseball and softball than there are for football, you may see the SEHSL say, take a little bit more of a lenient stance on it and say, okay, if things get bad enough, we'll we'll push things back. We'll reevaluate. But that's all speculation as of right now. The the one thing, and, and the league has yet to say anything about it, you know, we don't know how long Odessa is going to be shut down. We don't know how long Orangeburg County is going to be shut down. Now, granted, basketball, there are much more games. So if you miss, you know, even three or four or even five or whatnot, Yes, you're playing more games per week. You're playing two instead of one. But if you miss two or three weeks, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's not like in football where that's half your season. So it's going to be a very interesting next couple of weeks, a very interesting next month or so. Uh, because, you know, while football is, you know, like I mentioned, football is the main cash crop sport, you do have some big tournaments that are going to be happening over the next couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, you know, beach ball classic, you know, you've got the Bojangles bash that's going on, uh, this weekend. You've got a few other, uh, you know, you've got the Rock Hill one going on right now. Uh, you've got uh, you've got a few tournaments and a few showcases that those tournaments and and those showcases would certainly like to have those games played. And I doubt if the SEHSL and like I said, like I said the likelihood of the SCHSL doing it unilaterally 
is very unlikely. Hell, even for spring, you know, it wasn't until, uh, you know, it you know, it wasn't until everything else got shut down that the SEHSL shut, you know, spring sports down. You know, there was the temporary stop initially, but they said we're going to reevaluate things, and they were thinking that they might be able to come back. Uh, but then very quickly, they realized that there's there's no chance. There's no way. So could the SEHFL potentially halt things for a little bit? just to see how things go, maybe, but I don't think, I I have a feeling that it will only be done under a completely dire circumstance, because the thing about it is I don't think the league wants to be put into a situation where they were in the spring where they shut things down thinking, okay, we'll, you know, things will start getting better in a couple of weeks. And then they don't. And then it gets keep on getting pushed further and further back. Whereas if you keep on going while still being cautious, it allows the season to continue. So... What happens over the next couple of weeks and the next couple of months or whatnot is is anyone's guess at this point, honestly. But we'll just have to wait and see. You know, that's that's where we're at at this point in terms of basketball. You know, you know, it's still game played. You know, but like I mentioned whether or not we're able to get in get through the entire season is going to depend upon a number of different factors are going to depend upon a number of different circumstances and this goes for high school this goes for college as well you know this you know and and I'll say, I, I will say, you know, this is something we said about basketball when, it, or we said this about football when it first started, and we were able to get th- through that primarily unscathed. You know, obviously some teams had issues and had to shut down for a while, and we've had to move a football championship game back a week as a result of issues. But that's better than not having it at all. So that's that's where we're at now uh, in terms of basketball. You know, after this week, that's, that's the sport we'll be focusing on is, is basketball. Uh, you know, but like I said, I, I said it before, when it came to football and various people have said to me about basketball, even if, even if 
and this goes for all sports right now. Even if something happens to where the season gets shut down or at least gets halted, be thankful that we've had a season at all. Because there's a lot of states out there that either A, are just starting things up now or are still not doing anything. And there are a lot of areas that are considering shutting down again. You know, look at what's happened to the 49ers out in San Francisco. Look at what's happened in that county, in Santa Clara County. They've shut everything down. And now the 49ers have to play the rest of their games on the road. Now, granted, they haven't been able to have any fans all season. So that doesn't really matter as much to them as it would have. But still, that's a big blow. And look at look at what's happened, you know, in the NFL with with uh, with all the issues they had over the last couple of weeks. Yes, they're still playing, but there's but there have been a lot of issues. There are going to be issues in the basketball season. There are going to be postponements and cancellations. I'm already calling it. The question is, will we be able to withstand them? And that's going to be the big key. I'll take a quick break, and then when I come back, wrap things up, talk some college football. And as always, if you want to get your thoughts on anything, if you want to talk about uh, the football championship games, if you want to talk about what you think is going to happen with basketball, if you want to talk about NFL or college football, be sure to call on in 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll take a quick break and come right back. Wrap things up here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
diamond rings and Fendi sports bras. Riding down Rodeo in my Maserati sports car. God knows stress I've been through all that. I'm like a Marlboro man, so I keep going back. Wish I could roll home back to that old town road. I wanna ride till I can't go. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central as we've got about a half hour left in the show. And as always, if you want to call in, get your thoughts on all things sports, whether it's pro, college, high school, what have you, 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. Talking about some uh, college football real quick and college athletics just in general. First, like I mentioned before, Las Vegas Bowl canceled. Uh, so another bowl that has been canceled uh, this season. And, you know, I I kind of understand it because, you know, these bowls, while, yes, they get the big TV contracts and everything and all of that, a lot of these bowls, especially the smaller ones, rely a lot on the gate to 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 make you know to make a profit. And this year, without being able to have much fans, if any, uh, you know that's going to make things harder, uh, you know, for you to to do things. Uh, so I understand it. it. It's disappointing, obviously, uh, because, you know, teams wanted to be able to have a chance to play in a bowl game. It's understandable. Uh, big news this week is that Coastal Carolina, who was originally supposed to play Liberty uh, this week, was going to be on college game day. As a result of that, as a result of being on college game day and and being such a big deal, they uh, Liberty had some to- had some COVID issues, so Coastal had to scramble quickly to find an opponent, and they came up with a doozy because they will be facing off against BYU tomorrow. Uh, the co- college game day will still be hosted at. Conway at Coastal tomorrow. Uh, And this is a big game. This is a big game for both programs, especially for Coastal, who would love to get a big win against BYU. Uh, BYU currently ranked eighth in the country. And this, while, while I won't say it's guaranteed, um, especially this year with 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 COVID uh, and with the limited schedule and and all of that, I think this game, whoever wins this game, I would at least hope is basically a shoe in 
for a New Year's Six Bowl. I would hope. Now, I could be wrong. I've been proven wrong in the past, and we all know how college football is. And, you know, I've given my thoughts on it in the past. But, you know, if they don't have it, if they don't have uh, a game, uh, or if, if neither one of these teams make it to a New Year's Six Bowl, it would be... I just don't see how they couldn't. But, you know, stranger things have happened. <clears throat> but that's that's where we are in in 2020, where you've got two group of five teams, and, and not to mention you got Cincinnati, who's also undefeated. You have, you have these undefeated group of five teams that if this were a normal... Well, if this were a normal year, you'd be saying, okay, you know, one or maybe even two of them are probably going to be left out. And you would at least hope that it would advance the talks of expanding the playoffs. But in this COVID year, you would, this would have been the perfect year because of how everything's formatted and because of how how teams are playing for a number of different reasons, for a number of different reasons, this would have been the perfect year to expand the playoffs and do a little experimentation. But, of course, the Power Five don't want to lose their monopoly. And, unfortunately... All of the talk that that we had in the summer when there was uncertainty of what was going to happen with the football season and everyone was doing their own thing, that talk of this being the catalyst for something bigger, this being the catalyst for something uh, that would shift the landscape of college football, especially after the Big Ten and Pac-12 came back very timidly. It's all that momentum is gone. And at this point, because this was the perfect opportunity, you know, Richie and I were talking about it in terms of you know, media in terms of broadcasting, in terms of Southern Sports Central. But, you know, adversity breeds innovation. You know, something happening that's out of your control breeds change. And this would have been the perfect opportunity and I may, I think I would go as far as to say it's going to be the only opportunity for a long time for this to have changed the landscape of college football. Because if you, 
this could have been the year to say, okay, because we're put behind the eight ball, because we have to deal with all these changes, why not let's just why not we go full bore and and experiment? It would have essentially been a reverse of what the SEHSL did, where they had to reduce the playoffs as a result of COVID and as a result of the limited schedule. This would have been the perfect opportunity to expand it and say, hey, let's try something. Let's see if this works. And, you know, would it have worked? Who knows? But this, I think, would have been the only opportunity, the only time that it could have worked. So, you know, if it would have been up to me, we would be having the eight-team playoff right now. Well, this season, not right now, obviously. But, so... But like I said, Coastal playing BYU uh, tomorrow. Big matchup. Should hopefully get one of them into a New Year's Six Bowl. But all you got to do is win your games and hope for the best. Since I wasn't on uh, a couple of weeks ago when this happened, I'll bring it up now. Chaos in Columbia. Will Muschamp fired. Mike Bobo, the interim head coach. Luke Doty seems to be taking over the reins as the court, as the main quarterback for the Gamecocks. And not only that, but multiple Gamecocks have decided to opt out of the remainder of the season. At this point, it looks like, and this may honestly be the best thing to do, it, it's just time to just basically blow the whole thing up and start from scratch. You've lost a bunch of recruits as a result of the must-champ firing. Who you get for a new head coach is still up in the air. It's It's going to be a very interesting... Uh, next couple of months up in Columbia because you have so many different things that you need to, you know, figure out. And, you know, and if you lose especially because now at least they're considering it. I'm not sure if they've, uh, I'm not sure if it's officially been confirmed or officially been approved, but the NCAA is considering allowing a one-time free transfer without losing, you know, without having to redshirt for a season. And that's going to make a big impact because then if players don't like who South Carolina hires as the new head coach, they can just ver- they can just say, okay, I'm going to transfer. And they don't have to sit out a year. 
So it's going to make transferring become much more attractive because you don't have to worry about sitting out a year. So that's something to keep an eye on, uh, you know, throughout the next couple of, you know, weeks and months and, and all of that when it comes to that. Because, you know, there are a couple of different options. There are a couple of different players or, excuse me, a couple of different coaches that South Carolina are looking at right now. You know, Jamie Caldwell has come up, a coach from Coastal. Um, You know, the coach from Liberty has been looked at. A few other names. No one has been interviewed yet or anything like that, or at least not officially. I think they did talk to Jamie Caldwell a little bit, at least, or one of the other uh, coaches, maybe Hugh Freeze from Liberty. Um, But that's going to be something to keep an eye on, is what... Where do where does South Carolina go from here? Who do they try to get as their new head coach? And how does that impact the program? The good thing, though, is that a lot of people still consider it a good position, even though South Carolina has been mediocre at, bat, at best for a while now. it's still considered a good position, which helps. So you can, you can still get a good coach. It's going to take a lot to turn the program around. And, you know, it's disappointing to see. Uh, Like I mentioned, NCAA considering allowing a one-time free transfer. And the other thing that the NCAA is looking at is they're looking at the potential of having the entire NCAA tournament in Indianapolis. And I understand it. I appreciate it. Um, But I don't know how this is going to work personally. Because while Indianapolis is a pretty big city, how are you going to be able to house and protect 68 teams unless unless you're cutting it down? Unless you're cutting the, the tournament down, I just don't know how you'd be able to be able to properly and safely have over probably over a thousand players and coaches uh in in that sort of position. I don't know how you'd be able to have that many players and coaches and personnel and all of that all 
in that limited space. You know, yes, uh, other leagues, you know, other leagues have done it. You know, the NBA did it. The NHL did it. But the NBA only had, I think, 20 teams in the bubble. So that's probably about 400 personnel, 500. You're looking at least double that. Actually, if you're really thinking about it, at least triple that in the bubble in, you know, in Indianapolis, if they were to go that route. What would probably be the best thing is to basically do it like you do in a regular tournament. But just, it would be bubbled. You know, you have one team, or you have one region in, say, New York. Have another one in, say, Charlotte or Atlanta. Uh, Have one in, like, Chicago or something. And then have one in L.A. or San Francisco or something like that. There are a bunch of different places you could go and spreading it out would help in a number of ways so I just think that's the best option and then if you want to bubble them up in Indianapolis for you know the regionals and the regional finals and the final four you know do it you know if you want to go from the elite eight down to the final four all in Indianapolis then that works. But you don't but you don't have to worry about then that situation of having a a super massive bubble where if something happens then everyone's screwed. So those are my thoughts on that. Um, you know, tonight you got Dutch Fork and T.L. Hanna playing. Got the other three uh, state championship games tomorrow. Uh, looking forward to a fun weekend. Basketball season's starting up. North Merrill Beach plays Loris tonight, uh, boys and girls. And, oh, by the way, one thing I forgot to mention, that I didn't eat, I I know I saw a proposal on it, but I guess I didn't fully pay attention to the schedules. But, and and I think Richie, Richie was talking about it before, actually, that this year, in order to protect each team better instead of playing uh, you know varsity and JV games boys and girls together you know so for example you'd have JV play on Friday or on Monday with varsity playing on Tuesday 
and then JV on Thursday and Varsity on Friday. Now you're having the girls and boys separate with the girls' teams playing on Mondays and Thursdays and the boys playing on Tuesdays and Fridays. And... Like Richie said, it it makes it to where you're able to cover a little bit more because you get to see the JV teams a little bit more. Um, we're not doing the JV games at all, but it gives us the opportunity to watch them and see if there's any players that may be coming up uh, or something along those lines. Uh, but it also makes work a lot harder because now instead of only having to worry about calling games two days a week, you're doing games four days a week. So it, it it's going to be an interesting season. Like I mentioned, hopefully we can get through it unscathed, no problems, no issues, uh, nothing like that. So, you know, I said it in August, um, you know, football season was a bit of a ride, but, you know, for the most part, we were able to get through it unscathed, you know, outside of of issues in the Midlands and in the low country, in the upstate a little bit. You know, you only had Oceanside be the only team in the public schools to lose their spot due to COVID in play in the playoffs. Obviously Marion situation, they got lucky that it was during the championship week and thus the game just got postponed. But this is this is a situation and we talked about it before. With indoor sports, it's going to be a lot trickier. So, I said it during the, I said it in July and August when things were moving forward. And I'll say it again right now. Buckle up, people. It's going to be a bumpy ride. But I think I, I am confident as long as as the season or as long as people protect themselves and as long as people do what they need to do I think we'll be able to get through the season at least relatively unscathed obviously it's not going to be perfect it's not going to be a situation where there are no cases or there are no cancellations or no postponements or anything like that. But it is going to be a situation where you're going to be able to, you know, I think we'll be able to get through the season. I think we'll be able to get through the season. So... That'll just about wrap it up for me. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hope you guys uh, 
enjoyed my various talking points for the uh, for the morning. Uh, like I said, you know, lots of fun action tonight. Lots of fun action tomorrow. We got the end of football season and the beginning of basketball season. When one sport ends, another sport begins. And that's the fun of covering sports on, on all levels. So that was just about wrapped up for me. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. This has been Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. We'll talk to you guys next week. So long, everyone.